Are you looking for a passionate community of female entrepreneurs to connect, collaborate, and create with? The Southern Coterie, affectionately called the Southern Sea, offers the perfect resource with their thriving community of women business owners, brands, and experts. Founders Cherie Levy and Whitney Long create tailored opportunities for you to connect online and in person with women just like HSDT guests and listeners. Join their monthly membership and get access to regular Zoom calls featuring mentor power hours, intimate panel discussions, and presentations with sought-after experts. And the peer-to-peer mentoring is invaluable. If you're thinking, when do I have time? You can browse their library of recorded sessions on a topic that you need when you need it most. If you're a regular HSDT listeners, you already know about their sought-after events like the annual Southern Sea Summit. During the three-day summit, you connect with other seasoned entrepreneurs, mentors, and a roster of impressive experts. You'll listen to inspiring stories and get actionable advice on the topics we female entrepreneurs want most. The Summit's programming, like memberships, is intentionally tailored to create camaraderie and community. Education is always balanced with networking and brand discovery. You all know how much I love this community and value and respect Sheree and Whitney, so it's such a thrill to welcome them onto the show as sponsors throughout the month of February. I truly believe in all that they're doing. So get to know the Southern Sea by visiting their Instagram at the Southern Sea or at the Southern Sea.com. Be sure to check them out. everyone, I am Emily Landers, and this is How She Do That, a podcast answering that question each episode. Welcome, everyone. Welcome and happy Valentine's Day to you, sending you all lots of love. Today's conversation is the perfect one to listen to on Valentine's Day, as I have no doubt you will fall in love with my guest, Jane from Jane Wynn Jewelry. I felt the same way when I was speaking to Jane. We became fast friends, and I'm so looking forward to meeting her at some point in person. This is a conversation that you can take on a walk. Perhaps you guys are in carpool. Whatever it is, you're going to enjoy Jane's energy, her passion, and excitement around her brand. It's just going to make you fall more in love with her pieces. Not to overuse it, but really, uh, Jane, you are quite lovable. Well, you guys, thank you. Thank you again for your continued support of HSDT. I always love to give a quick update in the intro here about what's happening here on the podcast. You guys, we are off to the races. Two and a half years in, the interest and excitement around HSDT continues to amaze me. But something really cool that happened this week that I wanted to share, I received a DM from one of my amazing listeners, uh, and she was just letting me know that she was meeting up with another listener after connecting on the HSDT 
Instagram account, How'd She Do That Podcast. They were going to get coffee. They were going to do a little shopping together and to hear about the real life connections that are happening without my facilitating it apart from the podcast is insane. So I want to let you guys know we're going to lean into that. We're going to figure out more ways to connect the dots for our incredible listeners, our guests. We've got guest collaborations that happen through the podcast. We've got listeners meeting up. Of course, I enjoy meeting all of you. So do stay tuned because we're going to continue to figure out, okay, how can we meet up? What does this look like for HSDT to show up in a city near you? So stay tuned on that. And of course, if you want the inside scoop, we're talking about all of it over on Patreon, patreon.com slash how'd she do that five additional episodes a month. And you'll also be added to our close friends list on how'd she do that podcast over on Instagram. You guys, I can't thank you enough for not only the encouragement over the last two and a half years, but the daily encouragement that we receive on Instagram, as well as our Apple reviews and Spotify. If you have not taken a moment to leave us a five-star review, it would be so helpful. And we're so grateful that you would take the time to do so. That's a great way for new listeners to connect with our community and to get to know us. Well, last update and last encouragement. We would love to see what you're up to today on Valentine's Day. Do snap a photo while you're listening to Jane's story and tag us over on Instagram. It's always so fun to see what you guys are up to. Y'all are so creative. You're always doing cool stuff and you live in some really beautiful places. So snap that photo and be sure to tag the podcast and Jane. Well, without further ado, here is Jane Wynn on how she do that. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of How'd She Do That? Today's guest, Jane Winchester, is the founder of Jane Wynn Jewelry. After working in fashion design and marketing for 20 years, Jane left her corporate job with a dream to design beautiful jewelry with meaning. A Jane Wynn piece is a totem for milestone moments and a reminder to focus on all you hope to achieve in life. Born in New Hampshire with her childhood in Georgia, boarding school in Massachusetts, college in Florida, and many years in New York City, she's now settled outside of Philadelphia. Jane had a robust career in design and fashion marketing, working for brands such as Calvin Klein Cosmetics, Barney's, New York, and Lily Plutzer, to name a few. When Jane isn't designing a new collection, popping up at our favorite stores, or speaking with women like myself, she is likely enjoying time with friends, traveling, and spending time with her husband, Doug, as they are recent empty nesters. Jane, welcome to How'd She Do That? Thank you for having me. That was such a fabulous introduction. Well, I am laughing already because um, I say this somewhat often, but I really didn't need to hit record with you. We could have kept talking. I know. uh, uh, We've got tons in common. And when you were giving the introduction, I was kind of smiling ear to ear thinking, Uh, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did do that and (laughs) now get to do what I love And it's funny as the new empty nester get to spend time Mm. with my husband and travel. Um, If anyone follows us on Instagram, they know he is referred to as Mr. Jane Wynn and he like (laughs) makes cameos in our stories. 
Oh, it's so fun. And you're in such a sweet chapter and such a cool season of life. I'm so eager to unpack it all. Um, but how about this? Uh, those who listen often, they know we like to kind of start at the beginning. Uh, and I mentioned a little bit about your upbringing, but perhaps you can tell listeners a bit more about it and, and maybe ultimately where you decided to go to school. Yeah, of course. I mean, I I really have traveled up and down the East Coast. So born in New Hampshire, grew up in Augusta, Georgia. So mm. was there and I love the South so much. Went, then went to boarding school in eighth grade to the Groton School in Massachusetts. So popped back up North. And then for college, I went all the way back down to Florida, to Rollins College. Um, and then the second I graduated, I flew back up and um, lived in New York City to start my career. So I do think that movement and being up and down the East Coast has really influenced my designs. And I don't know, I appreciate people from different places and mm -hmm. love that I had that, that I didn't just come from one place that I love New England. And I love New Hampshire in the summer, not the winter. And I <laughs> love Savannah Low Country, because that's where we would go every weekend as a kid. Um, and from the school perspective, I think it's always nice to mention for a little perspective for people, I was terrible at school. I did not <laughs> get good grades. I had a really tough time, especially in boarding school, hmm. you know, in an uh, elementary school in Augusta, Georgia, I did just great. And then, you know, went to this tough boarding school in New England and really, really struggled. Um, and then went to Rollins College and had the time of my life, made lifelong friends. And mm -hmm. I I just think that journey, it's okay to not be perfect. Mm -hmm. um, I have four kids in college and one out of college. And, you know, we talk a lot about their paths being different. And it just, perfection is really not the ideal here. Like have a good time, learn a bunch, make friends, um, mm -hmm. have great experiences, which I absolutely did. But I think a lot of the time I felt guilty, like I should have been, I don't know, getting straight A's or something. It just wasn't my jam. <laughs> Hmm. Well, and it's yes. And right away, I'm, I'm connecting with you on that level. And I think listeners will too. Uh, and I love that. Yeah, not only was there that season and that you would be so kind to mention of challenge within academia, but it, it there's no um, limit to the possibilities when you're, as I can tell, someone who connects with people who loves people who has such a diverse kind of upbringing and all the locations that you're mentioning, I, I, I can see and it's going to be fun to see how this unfolds in your story, how well-rounded, you're such a people lover, kind of people enthusiast, and it comes out in your jewelry. So right off the bat, I'm excited about this. Now, tell me, after you finish college, and like you said, you're moving back up to New York City, what did you ultimately think your career would look like? Did it pan out how you had hoped? I mean, it was just totally different. So when <laughs> I was in college, I studied art history, and I loved it. And I I didn't minor in art, but I was always creating, um, whether I was making backgammon boards, I liked to make large paintings, um, and, I, and I adored art history. So just because of that, I used to do art stuff in the summer. So I worked in a gallery, I worked for Christie's, the auction house, mm -hmm. and kind of 
thought all along that I would go into the art field in some way. Um, and But I didn't think about a job before I graduated. And I actually remember being at the graduation and thinking, holy smokes, I got to get a job. <laughs> so um, I went up to New York City. And at the time, I mean, now I think there are headhunters only for CEOs and, and vice presidents. But you know, there were headhunters for every different kind of position. So mm. I, I went in and I met with someone and I got, you know, some interviews and eventually some job offers, one of which was in production um, at a company called Adrian Vitadini, which is known for their knitwear and their prints. Mm. Um, and so my first job was an, assess an assistant, a secretary. But I learned and watched her work with factories, and I learned how to get things made, which was a huge um, first step in what now is a career where I make things all the time. I didn't right. realize what I was doing then. It was absolutely not a mistake. It was just like happen chance. Mm -hmm. um, but I was working with factories in Peru, in China in Italy, um, and really saw what production is all about. Oh my goodness. So that was kind of the takeaway from that role. And, and I know you've mentioned extensively, there's other podcast episodes that folks can really dive into this chunk of, of your life, but you did, you then moved into quite a few different roles. Can you touch on, on where you kind of went along the way? Yes. Yeah, so from there, I went into marketing and PR. Um, okay. So I was at Calvin Klein Cosmetics. I loved it. It was owned by Unilever. Um, my woman, uh, my boss was a woman named Jan Sharkansky, who had a has a fabulous career. So she really mentored me. Mm. I learned about branding. Uh, from there, I went to Barney's New York. So free and cool, and the best designers. And it was when I was there that I decided to start my first company. And oh. I was, I don't know, I was 26 or 27. Um, and I started, I had a handbag line, which ultimately I closed to go work at Lily Pulitzer and it wasn't profitable and successful, but it was my first company. I learned so much. I, it was again, accessories, started off being made in New York, sold it, Bergdorf's, um, Henry Bendel's, which isn't there anymore, and uh -huh. a lot of boutiques. Um, and eventually, Lily Pulitzer called and said, hey, your handbags are in all of these boutiques that we are also in. Will you come make accessories for us? So, at, so that's, let's say, fast forward seven years. I had gotten married, had two kids in New York City. And when they offered me that job, and my first company wasn't you know, I was barely keeping my head above water. I thought, right. oh my gosh, yes, I want to go work for you and get a paycheck and get health insurance <laughs> right. and move to the suburbs. And um, and it was that it was just such a great decision. Um, mm -hmm. even though I think probably when I look back, I I should have tried to sell my company, but mm -hmm. you know, I was just going along and doing my thing, and I was so excited about that next job which brought me here to Pennsylvania. And I started as a senior designer of accessories. So bags, footwear, and jewelry. 
Oh my gosh. Well, the path and the journey along the way, each kind of step, and I know we're, we're going through quite a few years here and all of the many lessons learned. It's amazing to see how well they line up to what you're doing now. So uh, tell me this, what was perhaps your favorite thing about that season and stint at Lily? Oh my gosh. I learned so much there. I have so much respect for that company. Mm. Um, but I would say two things. Uh, the first is they create a product that connects with people that they just adore. And they, mm. and they really feel like they are a part of the brand. And that is something I have very much carried forward. Mm. Um, and that's kind of the softer side of things. Um, from a business perspective, the company was owned when I first started and run by two gentlemen who went to Harvard Business School who really, I, they took me under their wing. They taught me so, so much about running a profitable business that has core values that you believe in, mm. that is well organized. Um, and when, then when I was there, it was sold to Oxford Industries, a publicly traded company, and I was able to you know, become a vice president and senior vice president, and really be a play a part in running the business. Um, so those two things are really what I have carried into Jane Wynn, creating product that people connect with, really treasure, can bring tears to your eyes, mm -hmm. and then making sure that in order for that, this company to grow and to last, it needs to be profitable. We really believe in our core values. Um, we're, we set goals, we have a strategy, and all of that structure allows for the fun creativity. Okay. And this is, this is where I'm like getting to know you so much better. And I'm thinking, is it, because you mentioned earlier in, in your childhood and even in college, you're such a creative, you're loving art, you're, you're loving, you know, creating things and stepping out and trying new things and even working in art early on when you were younger. Is it, is it something that you learn to really focus in on the business side or did that come naturally to you? What, what has that been like? I, I would find that challenging and still do. I understand that. So I think it was something that I was afraid of. Hmm. That I, again, kind of going back to what we were talking about at the beginning, I wasn't quote unquote great at school. Um, hmm. And so I was afraid that, you know, writing a, strategy or developing financial goals, sales goals for a company involved math, quote unquote math, and I right. wasn't smart enough to do that. Well, that is all a load of no. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and I think that was the eye-opening moment that like, I could create the marketing plan that fed the business, that made the sales plans make sense and come to life. And yeah. then um, it took the dreaming to make that math happen. Mm, wow. Oh my goodness. Okay, Jane, I'm loving every <laughs> second of, of your story and the insight you're sharing. Now, what role or what was your, your final uh, title at Lilly? What did you end up? So, so I started as a designer there. So I was a senior designer. Um, and then I became uh, head of the print department, so which was just magic. That's what they're known for. Wow. Um, so we were, I was doing the kind of inspiration. And my title then was fashion director, but it was really kind of what it wasn't technical on dresses or anything like that. It was like, 
here's the print and color story for the season. Um, and then I saw an opening. There wasn't anyone in marketing. And obviously, I'd done all of that in my career. And I really wanted to be a vice president by the time I was 40. So I went into the CEO and president. And I pitched myself as I would like to, you know, we don't have anyone in marketing. This brand is spectacular. I want to be the one to kind of bring it to life with the customer. And so they gave me a shot. I started, I think, probably as director, but was promoted pretty quickly and eventually ended up as senior vice president of marketing and communications. Oh my gosh. Well, it's so fun to hear even that inside scoop of going in and saying, look, this is something that I can do. I'm going to be good at this. I want to do it. And then ultimately for you to wrap that portion of your career with that um, title and that amazing company, I am guessing it was challenging to step away. What did the rumblings look like for you to start to think, okay, there's something more for me? Oh, what did that look like? Yeah, well, I was my husband, who is, he has another job, but he is very much my partner and everything, <laughs> really encouraged me. But there was a moment. And, um, you know, when I was at Lily, I was there for 12 years and I wow. worked my buns off. I traveled a ton and I gave that I gave it my all. Um, and it was a mind share. I was just thinking about it all the time. And I was so into it. So it wasn't hard. Like I just, mm -hmm. it was really it took so much of my energy. And um, I did have, you know, two of my own kids married my husband and he had three. So we were a blended family of five. Oh. And the youngest was um, in middle school. And I looked at her one day and I thought, I have five seconds left before she goes. Mm. It will make me cry because now she's a freshman in college. So she oh. has gone. Um, oh. And I just thought I need more flexibility so that I can literally pick her up from school every day of eighth grade, whether she wants me to or not, <laughs> and not be traveling mm. kind of and not have that mind share be with my job. And of course, when I started Jane Wynn, it was so much energy. And yes, that mind share, but they were a part of it. You know, we started the company in the guest room and my daughter Tiki would come in every day after school to see what I was doing. So it no. was, you know, it was truly that grassroots moment where all of the kids were involved. Um, and it, it's ended up being perfect timing because now they've all gone or the brand, the company is five years old and we're really cooking with gas. So it's fun. Now I am traveling all the time again, but I don't feel that guilt that they're mm. not home right. or that I'm not home with them. Yes. Uh, well, even the timing there and to hear that kind of aha moment of, okay, I need in this specific season to take that step back. Um, did you know exiting Lily that you had an idea in mind or was it, I need to exit as quickly as possible and, and solely focus on my family for a bit? What was that kind of like? Well, I knew exactly what I wanted to do because oh, I've I been love dreaming about it. And I'd been in the industry for, at that point, a long time. And so Jewelry has always been my thing. So I was very lucky I got to really design it for the first time at Lily, but I've always been a collector. I've always really appreciated fine jewelry, but also loved vintage and costume and 
all, really all of it and the mix of it. So something that your grandmother gave you was something new and fabulous from Cartier and mm. something you found at the flea market. Like I loved that mix. And I also knew that jewelry is something that marks a moment. Um, it, it, you get this special bracelet when you graduate, obviously, mm. when you get engaged, you get a ring there. Jewelry marks milestone moments. Um, and I also knew I wanted to build a direct-to-consumer brand where I could speak directly with the customers every day. That was something that I learned from the marketing time at Lilly that, you know, direct-to-consumer allowed for brands to email directly, talk directly through social. So I knew I wanted to do that. And that also was a bonus to jewelry because I knew we'd be picking and packing and shipping this jewelry every day. Mm -hmm. And it's small. Mm -hmm. It's way easier to ship than I had had a handbag line. It's exhausting. Have yes. you tried shipping a duffel bag lately? It's a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I was just thinking of that because I think so many people will be encouraged to hear that you did take the plunge again because like you said, you had a, a company and a business with the handbags and even even to the tiniest example and I love this of packaging it's like no I don't want to do that again was there any hesitation in you to start something a second time or did you just feel like no this is really the next step and this is really going to be a success there was so much hesitation mm. and and this is what it came from most is the first business I had, so again, it was not direct to consumer. It was wholesale. It was really like before right. internet sales. Okay. So we were working with all of these stores. Um, I was I started production in New York, but then it moved overseas. So I had high, high minimums. And so, you know, and I wasn't funded. I was self-funded. Yeah. Um, and so the hesitation came from the clear memory of being up all night worrying about making payroll. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, it was such a burden. And that's why when Lily offered me the job, I was so excited not to have to think about that anymore. Yeah. So when Jane Wynn started to develop in my mind, and again, I have this amazing kind of yin to my yin and yang, the mm -hmm. other half of me in Doug, who's you know, so systematic. We really talked through why jewelry was a great fit because, you know, I think I am a storyteller. I have the ability to connect. So oh, yeah. I, could, I could do that through jewelry, but jewelry also, it's a high margin business. It's mm. something that you can make in the United States and you don't have to make 600 pieces at a time. You can make fine jewelry in New York and make one piece at a time. Um, mm. And then again, the shipping, it being small, all of those things kind of added up. And I thought, this this has a shot. Um, and I think that then I wrote the business plan. And, uh. you know, we really kind of did the work to see, okay, we started the company with $70,000. Mm -hmm. Where is that going to get us? What is going to happen from that? And what do we expect to do year one, two, three, and onward? Right. Um, when will we become profitable? When will we be, be able to pay me? Um, mm -hmm. Because I made a bunch of money at Lilly too. That was right. fun. Um, and so it was hard <laughs> to say goodbye to a paycheck. Um, and so I really wanted to get on a path where 
we were both profitable and I was getting paid. Oh, well, it's it's so fun to be unpacking this five years later because we can kind of start from the beginning. And um, you guys, if you've seen Jane Wynn and, and all that Jane and Doug have done since this moment in the conversation, it's crazy. So I'm excited to hear what were those first um, kind of pieces like? Are you drawing them? Are you, you know, how did you find your your person to actually create them? What did those first pieces look like? Oh my gosh. So well, it was so fun. I I guess I was I was really not sure. I didn't know that it would be coin jewelry at mm. first. Um and I really started with the words. So I wanted the collection to have this distinct meaning behind each piece and that you would give it for a moment. Mm-hmm. And it, in my head, I think that kind of went to like almost like tokens, like mm-hmm. you kind of give this as, as almost like like you're paying, like mm-hmm. you kind of give it at this moment. And then, I mean, it's with my art history background and I've always loved coin jewelry and it's been around for centuries. And so that started to all kind of come together. So again, I started with the words love, protect, lucky, forever. And I wrote the meaning first. And then I started sketching. Um, and I loved it because there was more space with the coin. You have its two sides. So I could put the word and our logo on one side. And then, you know, I did illustrations of kind of what that meaning meant on the other side. And those coins are still, um, I mean, they're probably 60% of our business. They're top sellers still to this day. We built collections around each one of those words and the coins, but it's certainly the way that people enter our brand. Oh yeah. And they're, they're beautiful. And very much when you see them, you know, it's a Jane Wynn piece. They're very recognizable, beautiful. And I love that you actually, and this is really something to me, wrote the meaning first, decided on the words first. Uh, Where do you think that intentionality comes from for you? Well, I mean, stuff. Like we just, we can throw away stuff, but Mm. um, it was so important that that there was life behind the piece. Mm. Um, And I really knew when I was on to something because our coins are shipped with a card that explains the word and people would read them all and they would kind of light up and they would say, that's the one. And, and so that kind of connection is what I have always wanted. So, and it's both happy and sad. So, um, the forever coin, oh my gosh, when daughters are going off to school, moms will read this card. It says forever, find your way home to me. Mm. forever my friend and they just start crying and I get it Um, and then our our free coin is I really designed I had gotten divorced and it was Mm. for women who were finding a newfound freedom and those women they read that those words and they say that's the one for me Mm. Um, so it's so funny looking back it's like of course it turned out that way but um I don't think you really know until you get your product out into the market how people will react. And I still to this day do so many trunk shows, maybe too many. I'm on the road a <laughs> lot with trunk shows, but it's where you learn so much. So yes, I love having a direct-to-consumer business and 
I answer so many of our customer service emails, so I know what's on her mind. But being with her at someone's house or a store, having a coffee or a glass of wine and watching her Hmm. read and react to the meaning behind each piece or the issues that she's having, like, I can't do these clasps up, your chains stink or whatever kind of get that feedback right away. (laughs) Well, it's so cool to think about and yeah, to think of you being out and seeing your pieces, getting this feedback. What did those early years, maybe, maybe even one to three, one, one and two, what did it look like to get your product into the market? I'm guessing at this point, and maybe you started with a website, social trunk shows. What what did those rollouts look like? It was so hard. I I cannot, I mean, I want to encourage people to start their own business, but you (laughs) really have to have the fortitude for those first couple years. It was so much of putting yourself out there um, Mm -hmm. and hearing no a lot, rebounding, like having to rebound. Yeah. Um, It takes, I, I really believe that being an entrepreneur is a mental game. You just have to be incredibly strong. And I use these words a lot with the team, consistent persistence. Like you just hmm. stay at it every day and and work, you know, harder than the person next to you in something that you believe in. Um, so we started with a website and luckily Mr. Jane Wynn was designed the website. <laughs> We're on Shopify. It's an awesome platform. Um, so great to be able to like really tell our story. You do have to come up with an elevator pitch for your brand because you've got that homepage. You've got six, eight, ten words to capture people as they land there. Um, so that was a great exercise and put it, getting that copy together and the visuals and creating the brand with yeah. our website. Um, and Again, knowing that it would be direct to consumer, we did not start with any stores, Um, but we did do a couple trunk shows. So Mm -hmm. I would kind of hit the road. We really didn't have inventory to do, to go to do wholesale. We'd always kind of, I've planned the business at 80% direct to consumer and 20% wholesale. Hmm. Um, And that will, I think the wholesale grow a little bit this year, but um, So it wasn't a focus really to be in a million stores, but it was absolutely a focus to have people visit our website. So social media was immediately my outlet Mm -hmm. and I wear my heart on my sleeve. So I just told my (laughs) whole story. I blogged about it, sent out, it worked so hard to build the email list. Um, I'm live on stories every day. I'm, you know, saying good morning and this is what we've got going on. I was in New York yesterday and- so, I mean, I was, I've just been an open book, and I think that that has been one way that people really connect with us. Mm, oh, I think so too. And I think that the, the plan for that 80% direct-to-consumer and just hearing your heart, your thoughts behind connecting with your consumer and meeting that woman and seeing them read, or like you even mentioned, seeing them undo the clasps, all of that mm-hmm. good stuff... Um, I, I feel very connected to you when when I receive my pieces and see them and, and hold them and wear them and think of you. It's like, oh my gosh. And I have to know, have you guys rebranded at all over the last five years? Or is this kind of what we see now? Is that kind of the whimsical, beautiful look you guys started with? 
So we did start that way. So the one thing I will notice, we did start with the name Jane Winchester, which is my name. My name is Jane Winchester Paradise. Um, We ran into a trademark dispute and so shortened it to Jane Wynn. That was traumatic for me because that's my name. Right. Um, But now I literally don't even think about it and I love Jane Wynn. So it's not a big deal now, then it was certainly a big deal. But from a packaging perspective, I love packaging. And as you can tell from this conversation, I love art. And I knew that in this direct consumer moment, you would order online and then, you know, buy, I say goodbye to this package and it reaches you two days later. I wanted it to be a real moment when it arrived. So we have a printed shipping box, a yep. beautiful printed gift box inside with, you know, special tissue and cards. And so you're kind of really delighted when you open that up and it is a gift for yourself. And then it's also something that you'd be very proud to send to a friend. Oh, yes. I I can reiterate everything you're saying because I remember when I received my Jane Wynn, I'm, uh, like you just said, you guys, the shipping, the print on the shipping box, it's not a brown box. It's a Jane Wynn box. And you get it and you're like, wait, what? And then you open it up. I can't say enough good things about your beautiful shipping, which is honestly why I wanted to ask because the marketing side of what you've created and getting to know you throughout this conversation, it just goes hand in hand with that chic, elegance, timeless, whimsical. Um, I can't say enough good things about the marketing. I think it's, I think it's fabulous. Was that kind of between you and Doug? Did you bring in some other minds for that? How did that come together? You know, I, what we certainly had artists help us with the prints. So we have one, two, three, three different prints that, that our gift boxes come in and we're about to introduce another Actually, my stepdaughter, Naomi, just designed our latest print that we're going to be launching. That's awesome. I know. Isn't that cool? The whole family has helped in our business. So I I think that comes from my Lily days. I was in charge of the print team. And I'm like, of course, we're going to have a signature print. Oh, my gosh. And that kind of developed into more. Um, But the layers of the packaging, I mean, I just figured it out. At first, we made our boxes in Kansas. I found someone to do the... It's really scrappy. Like, you just, I found people to do it. And it wasn't easy because the shipping box, especially someone. And at, and at Lily, we used to be nervous about having the name on the outside of the box for theft. Mm, yeah. Um, and that's, I think, still true to this day. Nobody knows enough to steal our boxes, I don't think. But certainly shipping to cities, I don't think they care. Anybody cares what they're stealing. They're just stealing everything that comes <laughs> right. from Amazon and everything Literally. that comes so. So maybe those dates have passed. Yes. Oh my goodness. Well, I I remember, and I did want to comment on that because it was just so gorgeous. Even my husband, I think, was like, what is this? I'm like, it's amazing. It's beautiful. So every single detail that you have shared today, and even on the marketing side, but even the beauty of your pieces, I mean, it's it's just so fun to, to hear more about. Uh, and I'm wondering, because we are, we're kind of reviewing the last five years. Uh, was there a moment, maybe an aha moment, or maybe it was within a conversation? with someone that you thought, okay, I'm in year three or I'm in year four. This is going to last. We're, we're doing something here. Can I tell you that I just had that moment? Yes. I, I, yes. I'm, I am so happy. Um, 
So our fourth quarter, 2022, Mm -hmm. was off the charts. And I feel like we just hit a stride. We've got some wind in our sails. We've spent so much time, energy, and marketing dollars on bringing new customers into the brand. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, it just felt like it was really clicking in October, November, December. We had record months. Um, And I have a great team. We just did like reviews. We do yearly reviews. And, you know, something that we talked about a lot was not only that stellar year, but now it's whatever, it's only January 13th, Mm. but I feel that momentum. And that work that we did to bring new customers in really in all of 22, but then you see the like power of it in fourth quarter because so many people are shopping and jewelry so skewed towards fourth quarter and Mother's Day basically. Yes. So, you know, a lot of talk in the review time was about how we've got this momentum and it is the first time where I feel like I'm not beg borrowing and scraping mm. kind of if that makes sense that I've I've been pushing and again, it's fun. So pushing seems like it's like bad, but right. I mean, I've been moving the brand forward so intentionally and then all of a sudden we got that bit of wind and it it pushed itself. Mm. Um, so I literally just had that as the year ended this January 1st. So cheers. yes, cheers. <laughs> I, I have chills over here because I just thought of, and this will be so crazy if we think of this later on, but at some point for you to listen back to this, um, because I think as a consumer, as a fan of the brand, I think we sense that I think, um, long time, you know, clients of yours, customers who are listening, I think we sense and see that momentum, but dang, to hear you be able to process and be like, I just had that. I'm excited to to hear what's what's to come. I, I know you always have something coming up, but I can't let you go without asking this question. And I'm really excited to hear your thoughts. It's a bit loaded, so I love to preface mm-hmm. that, but I would, right. I would love to know from you, uh, what is perhaps the greatest lesson you have learned? Mm. Um, okay. Well, I think that there are two. Well, there might be three. So one (laughs) is when you're starting a business and I think honestly in life, um, having core values that guide you are like imperative. You have to have them. Mm -hmm. So day one of our company wrote core values. They now literally guide our decisions every day. Um, and a lot of that, again, I learned at Lily, you've got to respect your customers and your vendors and pay people on time and be the kind of person Mm. people want to do business with. Um, I think that has to be something that is said and written down and is very intentional. Um, I think the second is, while I wish things happened overnight, they do not. And (laughs) you have to both be patient But again, that consistent persistence, you just have to build it, have a strong foundation and build it every single day. Um, And I think that, you know, I see it in my kids and I see it so much in myself, just the impatience to having, you want things to move faster. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think you're exactly right. I will listen to this podcast in five years 
and probably laugh tears of joy of how <laughs> far that we have come since that moment when I thought, quote unquote, we had wind in our sails. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, it's so cool. It's so fun to think about. And I can't thank you enough about all of the all of the lessons, even the ones not even mentioned in, in that question, but previously throughout our conversation um, have been so encouraging to me. Uh, and I know too, within this theme of kind of the momentum you found and, and what's upcoming, I'd love to know, what is next for you? What are you guys stepping into next? Well, we have some real... So we launch product every week. That's crazy. That crazy? That's crazy. I, I just think it is so fun. And it is... I mean, I could, do, I could do it all day long. I mean, we just... We have such a fabulous... Like, we just love creating things. So we are creating all the time. A couple things that I'm pretty excited about... We have a big designer collaboration for Mother's Day that I can't say everything about, but we're working with another company um, that is a great fit for us, really very chic and elevated, and we're doing a collection with them. So, so fun. that will be a big moment. And then another thing that I'm excited about is we're launching a sister's coin. So, um. And that kind of goes along with a few things. So it's sisters and kind of like a reinvention of the best friend necklace. Um, and the sister's coin is not just, I don't have a sister. It's not blood sisters. It is very much like you are my best friend, sis, you are my sister now. Uh -huh. um, and I just think that's so us. And I feel like it's just what the world is, what my world is all about right now, like very genuine friendships um, with other women that kind of lift each other up. Oh, uh, well, as someone who has a twin sister, <gasps> I oh am going to be on the lookout. I love that you had mentioned it doesn't have to be blood, but I'm already thinking, okay, I hope Whitney's not listening to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Whitney, turn it off. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, we have so much to be looking forward to. Uh, Mother's Day will be staying tuned. Of course, I'm going to like set an alarm for the sisters update. <laughs> um, and I love that. I love that that's a real theme in, in your career, even before we... Um, um, hit record today, you know, we were chatting about just amazing women in both of our spheres and, and lives. I'd love to ask you, who do you know that should maybe come on and share their story? Ooh, I have two ideas. Um, <laughs> one is my friend Margie, who launched a company called Addison Bay. And yes. she is a mover and a shaker. And she actually was on my team at Lilly. Oh, um, and yeah. I left to start Jane Wynn and she left to start Addison Bay, oh, maybe just like just under a year after that. And, you know, she's smart. The product is excellent. Yep. Um, and you're going to know that name over time. So she would be top, top. Um, so I, I'll give you her number. Well, she, well, she's the best. And I'll just add this. She did join us and I'm racking my brain to remember the number. So we are in sync. She is the best. Thank you. Wait, you've already interviewed her? Yes, we had Margie on. She's fabulous. Ooh. Yes, yes. How did I not know that? No, no, please don't think twice. I'm thrilled because now listeners will be pointed in the direction of her episode. So I love it. Oh, I love oh it. Oh my God, that's so <laughs> 
She, no, we, I Jane, I can tell we are so like in sync with, with our fabulous lady. So yes, Margie's episode, think of your second and I'll actually look up what her episode is and then I can mention it. I can mention the- Okay, good. Yeah, that's now, perfect. if I come up with another that you've already interviewed, then you're doing more work <laughs> than I am. Um, but I have a friend who is a founder of a dress line called Cara Cara and her Beautiful. name is Sasha. She's one of three founders. I think Cara Cara like exploded into the market just under two years ago. Really? Um, with beautiful floral dresses. And there are three gals. Um, Sasha does more of the finance, but she comes down and does trunk shows at Jane Wynn. So I think you would and your your listeners would learn so much from her and the business side of um, not only launching a brand, but one that has been explosive. Oh, that's amazing. Well, such fabulous recommendations. You all will have to stay tuned for a potential episode with Sasha, and you can listen to Margie on episode 77. So thank you, Jane. I did. I just found it. So thank you. Those are fabulous recommendations. And honestly, I cannot thank you enough. This has been so much fun. Is there anything we didn't cover that you'd like to? Well, you know, I mentioned it a couple times, um, but what I learned at Lilly and what I've learned through Jane Wynn is really taking the time to invest in other people. Mm. And um, I feel like pay it forward when trading and developing the people that you're working with. So I don't know. I just think for good vibes all around, but that kind of idea of paying it forward when you're starting a small business and then it grows to be bigger. Mm. Um, it's just something to that can be like a real cornerstone of your of your business. Mm, absolutely. And and you've done that for me today by sharing your story and your time. I know many listeners have likely already looked you up. Perhaps they found you on Instagram and they're shopping. But how about you tell us where can listeners connect with you? Well, absolutely our website, which is janewin.com, J-A-N-E-W-I-N.com. And then our Instagram is janewin underscore jewelry. And that is where you can watch me every morning on stories. Say good morning. (laughs) I love it. Yes. And you can kick off your day with a hello from Jane. Jane, this was so much fun. Thank you for your time today. Thank you, Emily. I enjoyed it. It flew by. It really did. I agree. I think we might do a part two at some point. That's my guess. Thank you all for listening to today's episode of How'd She Do That? Brought to you by the Southern Sea. Be sure to check them out. I am Emily Landers. You can follow me on Instagram at Emily Landers and the podcast at How'd She Do That Podcast. We look forward to talking to you next week. We will talk to you soon.